More Than a Movie is back with season two. I'm your host, Alex Fumero. And each week, I'm going to talk to the people behind your favorite movies. From The Godfather, Andy Garcia. He has the smarts of Vito, the temper of Sonny, the warmth of Fredo, and the coldness of Michael. To the legend behind La Bamba, Lou Diamond Phillips. When I walked in, I didn't think I had a shot at Richie because John Stamos's picture was already up on the wall. Listen to more than a movie on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, I'm Jay Shetty, and I'm the host of the On Purpose podcast. This week, I talked to Orlando Bloom in a rare interview where we went deep into how to get comfortable with fear and how to change the guilt and shame thought pattern. People say, what are you afraid of, right? I'm afraid of fear because it's like, I want to confront anything in my life that feels challenging on those levels. Listen to On Purpose with Jay Shetty on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hi, I'm Michael Rappaport. And I'm Kibi Rappaport. And together we're hosting Rappaport's Rappaport's Reality Reality Podcast. Podcast. We have a passion for reality TV, and we're inviting you into our living room. We're dissecting the drama, and we're giving praise to the single greatest form of entertainment on television today. That is right. Reality TV is the greatest form of entertainment on television today. Listen to Rappaport's reality with me, Kibi Rappaport. And me, Michael Rappaport, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcast. Welcome to today's edition of the Clay Travis and Buck Sexton Show podcast. We're going to continue to react to the Michigan primary results as well as uh, everything surrounding the awful Lake Lake and Riley situation. We've got audio that you're going to want to hear uh, related to that. But breaking news out there, 82-year-old Mitch McConnell has just come out and announced that he is no longer going to be the Senate majority leader after... Uh, the 2024 elections here. Uh, let's listen to him make that comment, then we'll react to it. I'm certain I have helped preserve the ideals I so strongly believe. That day arrived today. My goals when I was narrowly elected to the Senate back in 1984 were fairly modest. Do a good job for the people of Kentucky and convince them that by doing so, they might rehire me for a second term. That was it. That was the plan. If you would have told me 40 years later that I would stand before you as the longest serving Senate leader in American history, frankly, I would have thought you'd lost your mind. I have the honor of representing Kentucky and the Senate longer than anyone else in our state's history. I just never could have imagined, never could have imagined that happening when I arrived here in 1984 at 42. I'm filled with heartfelt gratitude and humility for the opportunity. But now it's 2024. I'm now 82. As Ecclesiastes Ecclesiastes tells us, to everything there is a season and a time to every purpose under heaven. To serve Kentucky in the Senate has been the honor of my life. To lead my Republican colleagues has been the highest privilege. But one of life's most underappreciated talents is to know 
when it's time to move on to life's next chapter. So I stand before you today, Mr. President, and my colleagues to say this will be my last term as Republican leader of the Senate. Okay. Um, I'm not going anywhere. I, I think we can cut, cut that off. Mitch McConnell, historic run. Now, Buck, my immediate thought on this is not only about Mitch McConnell, which we can react to, and this is going to set off major scramble in the Senate because Republicans are favored to take back control of the Senate. So the Senate majority post, and I believe it was Rick Scott, senator from Florida, who was the primary challenger of Mitch McConnell in the last go-around, he's the same age as Joe Biden. And as I'm listening to him talk about how there's a time and a season for everything, I think this is going to raise pressure on Joe Biden on some level. Because Mitch McConnell had that frozen-in-the-headlights clip that we played, I don't know, probably, what, four or five months ago, Buck, where he just seemed to have an inability to continue to communicate. And he's the same age. He's had health conditions. He's fallen down. He had a concussion that we know of. All of these things. Um, I, I think this is going to make a lot of people happy. But also, I think it calls into question older people who are running for re-election. When you're talking about Mitch McConnell and his um, legacy, which will certainly be something that comes up in the uh, months ahead as he steps out. First of all, the fact that this guy is has been in the Senate since I was truly in diapers yeah. is amazing. <laughs> it's a long time to have any job, never mind be a United States senator. So since the early 80s, Mitch McConnell has been a United States senator. Uh, Joe Biden also, as you pointed out, about the same duration uh, in the Senate, although you have to add in his uh, years as vice president. Um, Mitch McConnell, uh, we're going to have a lot of interesting discussions now, I think, about who will be the Senate majority, Senate minority leader, depending uh, for Republicans. Some ideas that will come to mind right away for people. And then beyond that, on things like Ukraine, I think the Republican base finds Mitch to be a uniparty uh, and and on, on the border, you know, a uniparty guy on the border. He's a bit of a squish. He's kind of an open borders guy, big with the donor class. On judges under Trump, he was a lean, mean judge, confirm- judicial confirmation machine. And if you're looking at the most enduring legacies of Donald Trump's first term, it's not just the Supreme Court justices, it's the federal judges that were interspersed throughout the system. That And Mitch, Mitch gets an A-plus on the judge machinery, uh, you know, judicial confirmation machinery, I should say. A lot of other stuff, people can, you know, they can debate and argue it. But I think in terms of whether, Clay, you know, Trump and Biden are already close into the same age. So that's I don't don't know if Mitch McConnell stepping down is going to affect anyone's perception one way or the other. Um, It it certainly could be used as another data point. But I've been saying this all along. Biden doesn't care. You, you, People need to stop thinking that Joe Biden is somehow ethical or concerned about the country. Joe Biden is concerned about Joe Biden, first and foremost, and he likes being powerful and in charge, or at least the perception that he is in charge. I think that's true. I do think on the margins, when old people step down, it makes them look around at the other old people and say, why aren't they doing the same? So I think on the margins, look, there are 40%, 45% of people are going to show up and vote for Joe Biden because of the team that he plays for, regardless of whether he's able to do it. You mentioned Buck. 
something that I do think is important related to Mitch McConnell, which is the judges. The older I get, the more I recognize how fast four years is or how fast eight years is. Lifetime appointment for many of these judges is far more significant than anything that can happen in any president's term to a large extent because there's a limit to how much you can accomplish in eight years. I mean, or four years, certainly. So getting lifetime tenure for Supreme Court justices, three of them, as Trump did during his first term, that's generational change. Even if you are a highly successful president, the older you get, the faster eight years goes by. I'm sure you you are starting to feel this a little bit more, Buck, now that you're in your 40s, and I imagine some of you out there that are older than us. It used to feel like the president was in office to me forever. You know, when you're 10 or 12, yeah. eight years might as well be, you know, 80 years. But now I'm like, I turn around, and four years, it feels like it's passed in almost the snap of your fingers. And so you get this sense of even if you have a president, that president's power is limited a judge for lifetime tenure is a really big deal, and I do think Mitch McConnell thought longer term in that respect. Mitch McConnell, anybody out there want to weigh in on the uh, the legacy there thereof? Uh, we also have to return. You have something on the legacy? No, I was just going to mention on Mitch McConnell. The other thing we need to think about, Kentucky, you reelected Andy Bashir. Remember, if Mitch McConnell health-wise decides to step down, Andy Bashir has said he's going to appoint, try to appoint a Democrat. And I tried to make a big deal out of this. We did on this show in the governor's race. Mitch McConnell is stepping down as majority leader. That has to be somewhat health-related. I'm sorry. If he were to be unable to continue his term, you've got a Democrat governor. And people out there could say, oh, why does that matter? You could end up in a... It's not crazy at all to think that the Senate could be 51-49. Joe Biden could find his way back into office. McConnell could not be able to serve. And Kentucky puts in a Democrat. And then Kamala Harris is the tiebreaker again. And they take back control of the Senate. We saw this, this is very possible. With the cult of RBG. The, there was a cult of RBG. They were always... The New York Times and others were... Talking about how she was, you know, fit as a fiddle and look at her workout routine and look at her throwing these kettlebells around. And it was weird, too. She's like a little decrepit old lady when they were doing. Yes. This. Like really, you know, she, I don't think she weighed 100 pounds. I mean, she was just That's tiny right. and and like a, but clearly, a, you know, didn't have long left. And they found out they found out when they weren't able to replace that Supreme Court seat the way that they wanted to. So these things do matter and have a major uh, effect on on the future of the country, depending on how it all how it all goes uh but yeah oh, we also should return clay to the we had more from the mayor i mean the yes. uh, mayor of athens georgia we just want to break in with the breaking news mitch mcconnell stepping down from leadership so we'll get back to that no doubt very serious uh aspects there but i want to tell you all right i've got three winners on picks tonight for all of you prizepicks.com use my name clay you can put in a hundred dollars they'll give you a hundred dollars free Again, that is prizepicks.com. Use my name, Clay. Up to $100, they'll double your money. $50, they'll double it. $25, they'll double it. Up to $100, they will double it. And as you break all this down, here are three winners tonight for you. Get your pen and pencil ready. We'll see how I do tomorrow. 
Zakai Ziegler, point guard, Tennessee. He's been on fire. He's going to have more than 21.5 points, rebounds, and assists tonight against Auburn. Zakai Ziegler, more than 21.5 combined points, rebounds, and assists. Jonas Adu, he's going to be a stud center one day in the NBA. He's starting to get on fire for Tennessee, more than 13.5 points. And then I'm going down to Texas. Wade Taylor the fourth, great outside shooter for Texas A&M. He's going to have more than 19 and a half points. That is three winners for you. PrizePicks.com. Clay is that code. PrizePicks.com. Code Clay. $100. You can five times your money if you if we hit on all three of those tonight. And I think we are. There are three winners. PrizePicks.com. Use my name, Clay. Hey, I'm Jay Shetty, and I'm the host of the On Purpose podcast. On Purpose is dedicated to helping you be happier, healthier, and more healed. This week, I talked to Orlando Bloom in a rare interview where we went deep into how he got comfortable with fear, navigating the changes in relationships, and how to change the guilt and shame thought pattern. This conversation shows a never-seen-before side to Orlando Bloom and his unique life journey. I think we all struggle sometimes to really deeply believe that we are enough, that we're valued, that we're valuable. You know, we're imprinted by our parents from the age of zero to seven, right? Mm. I'm constantly trying to go, like, how do I detach from my this idea of, what, do, is, that, is that my baggage? I look like my baggage. I mean, I know, oh, okay, that's mine. Let's unpack that. Listen to On Purpose with Jay Shetty on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hi, I'm Michael Rappaport. And I'm Kibi Rappaport. And together we're hosting Rappaport's, Rappaport's Reality, reality Podcast. Podcast. We have a passion for reality TV, and we're inviting you into our living room. We're talking tea, we're dissecting the drama, and we're giving praise to the single greatest form of entertainment on television today. That is right. Reality TV is the greatest form of entertainment on television Today, here are some examples of what you'll hear from us on Rappaport's reality podcast. This is where we discuss all things reality TV, all things popular culture, and a little bit of Rappaport's reality, the reality of bit. us. We're a figuring out. And if we had been recording these last four or five days, Ooh. it, it would have been, Ooh, a, been the podcast would have taken a, a, a left turn. Listen to Rappaport's reality with me, Kibi Rappaport. And me, Michael Rappaport, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcast. More Than a Movie is back with season two of the award-winning film podcast, and this time with a lot more movies. I'm your host, Alex Fumero, and each week I'm going to talk to the people behind some of my favorite movies. From The Godfather, Andy Garcia. He has the smarts of Vito, the temper of Sonny. The warmth of Fredo and the coldness of Michael. To the OG spy kid, Alexa Penavega. You had Carlo Gugino, who's the coolest mom ever. You had Antonio, who's handsome, amazing, charismatic. And then Carmen and Juni. I felt like a lot of other kids felt like this could be me. To the legend behind La Bamba, Lou Diamond Phillips. When I walked in, I didn't think I had a shot at Richie because John Stamos's picture was already up on the wall. Every episode will feature interviews with the biggest actors, directors, writers, and producers behind your favorite films and tap into the history of Latinos in film. 
Listen to More Than a Movie as part of the My Cultura Podcast Network, available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. We addressed in the last hour the Michigan results for the primary. To get deeper into that, we'll have Tudor Dixon joining us later on in the program. You all know her from, well, running for governor in Michigan, but also from the Tudor Dixon podcast, which is on the Clay and Buck Network. Those of you listening on radio all across this great land of ours, please make sure you are also subscribers to the Clay and Buck Podcast Network. You can download the iHeartRadio app for free. I have it on my phone. Clay has it on his. We use the app all the time. You can listen on demand or stream the sh- this show live, stream the uh, or listen to the podcast on demand, including the podcast of this show. Tudor Dixon will be there, but we'll talk to her about Michigan. We also had done some follow-up reporting here on the murder of Lake and Riley at the University of Georgia and had begun to get into a disastrous press conference put on by Kelly Gertz, the mayor of Athens, Georgia. Uh, he first started to give a lecture as if he somehow is a an expert on immigration and crime, illegal immigration, mind you, and crime. Uh, which felt very tone deaf under the circumstances. People are upset, understandably so. By way of quick review, this was an illegal who gamed our system to come into the country, broke our laws, then broke our laws again, endangered a child under 17 years of age, was arrested in New York City, and was released quickly so that Immigration and Customs Enforcement could not deport him because they're trying to play this game of hide-and-seek where our own law enforcement in sanctuary jurisdictions is helping to hide illegals from the law enforcement of the federal government. Imagine if we're doing this with other laws for a moment and what outrage there would be. But back to the mayor of Athens, Georgia, Kelly Gertz. He gets into this. uh, He starts talking about sanctuary city status. And there are protesters, hecklers, in this press conference. This is cut two. Play it. Many, many of the elements. Many of the elements. Liar. We are here to listen. You're a liar. We are here to listen. Liar. You're time for questions. guilty and got blood on your head for this murder, sir. Many of the aspects that are ascribed to sanctuary cities. We know what sanctuary are things that are disallowed by Georgia law. Every sanctuary city, every sanctuary city should be ashamed of what it does, actually. But they're not. Clay, it gets it gets worse, though, for the mayor. He then decides to jump in with, well, let's all remember, Trump was really mean to illegal immigrants as if that has anything to do with anything. And then the then the audience at this press conference gets Really upset. This is cut three. 2019 was not that long ago. You might remember the dynamic we were living in in the late teens in this country where you had the president of the United States speaking in the most vile terms about people who were foreign born. And you had that notion oh, metastasizing in places like Charlottesville. This is an <laughs> when I was younger, so when we I have... was a criminal. And you know what I thought about doing? Crossing the border to Mexico to get away from my crimes. Son, I'm going to ask you to leave. Jesus Christ, he saved me, and I no longer live that lawless life, which you do. They're not happy in that uh, press conference in the audience there, Clay. A lot of politicians are not very smart. 
to decide that you're going to have a press conference in the wake of a highly emotional murder of a college-age student, a recent University of Georgia graduate who now is giving her life over to become a nurse, brutally murdered based on your decision. He was the mayor at the time that Athens officially announced that it was a sanctuary city and encouraged as many illegals as they could have come to Athens as possible. To not take responsibility for that. I don't know how a lot of these politicians get out of bed and look at themselves in the morning. Because it's one thing if you're a difference opinion on what should the corporate tax rate be. What do we think about uh, uh, about issues of uh, property taxes? There are lots of things where you and me, we can sit around and we can agree or disagree on budget-related issues. But allowing 8 million illegals to pour into the country and having a story like Lincoln, Lake and Riley in every state and every major city in America right now, every single one of them has someone like Lake and Riley who is dead because an illegal killed them in cold blood via murder or because they were driving drunk and people say, well, they could still have gotten killed. That's true. I wish we had a zero murder rate. I wish no American citizens committed murders. But that happens, and we try to hold people accountable when they do it. The difference is American citizens should be here. And we have to deal sometimes with the criminal behavior of actual American citizens. What should never happen is no illegal citizen, no illegal uh, alien, should be murdering anyone in this country. And for him to stand up there, Buck, and try to lecture us on immigration policy and say that Donald Trump was not uh, was not good for what he said about immigrants in 2019 is so tone deaf. I, I, I mean, all, it, Don, it is, Donald and, and Trump to try has to a habit. Charlottesville, yeah, as Donald well? Trump has a has a habit of marrying foreign-born individuals, just to start with. So the notion that he's some xenophobe, I don't know. He seems to think foreigners are just fine. Yeah. Um, and, and beyond that, why bring that? What does that have to do with anything in this press conference? I mean, that's the much more important. It's, it's just here. trying to blame what, shift, right? I mean, that's right. the goal, clearly. I mean, wh- why why are all these places uh, sanctuary jurisdictions? Because they are trying to subvert federal immigration law. That's it. They don't want to use their resources to be helpful. And in fact, they will use their resources to be unhelpful when yes. it comes to federal immigration law. And I am sorry, but the government does not get to say people can be here illegally and commit crimes and not be subject to deportation. But if you don't pay your taxes, you go to prison because we say so. Because we say so doesn't work if you're going to pick and choose the laws. The law either counts or it doesn't. And and that's why I think people just get so fed up with this, and especially when they see Democrats and the left-wing media, they always have their first response when they find, first of all, their first response when an illegal commits a, a, a heinous crime is to hide the fact that the individual is an illegal. They do that. They don't want people to know. They feel very justified. And, oh, we, we don't know. And you don't, you don't don't say what their status is. You can't know. 
And then the next step, when it finally comes out, because usually someone in the right-wing media does the research and figures it out, then it's always some position of sympathy. Oh, this person comes from a, a very rough circumstance, though, and don't don't blame all the other immigrants about this. It very much reminds me of whenever there used to be a jihadist terror attack, the first response of the Democrat media was, the real uh, the real threat here is Islamophobia. Yeah. It's like, well, I don't know. The real threat might be the 10 people that just got murdered by some, you know, Islamo-fascist maniac. I think that's the real threat. But, uh, you know, at NBC and the New York Times, et cetera, it's always the real threat is Islamofascism. And every time some young girl gets murdered by an illegal immigrant gang member or whatever, you know, raped and murdered or, you know, attacked or killed in a drunk driving accident, the, the media is all... Oh, First and foremost, let's remember, we're a nation of immigrants here. It's like, well, are we a nation of illegal immigrants? Because if we are, we're not a nation anymore. Also, they try to say, well, statistically, immigrants don't compete, don't uh, commit crimes at the same level that exists in the United States. And my response on that is, one, let's actually have a discussion about whether that's true, because I think the data would be that men... 15 to 40 commit illegal immigrants actually far higher rates of crime than many different groups do out there. For instance, illegal immigrants, I guarantee you, commit higher rates of crime than the average Asian person does in the United States who is a citizen, right? You don't want to cite high crime rates and then excuse illegal immigrants because their crime rate, while still also high, isn't quite as high as other groups might be. But even if that is true, the difference is it should be zero, right? There should be a crime rate of illegal immigrants preying upon American citizens If our country was doing its job to protect the sanctity of our borders and the safety of our citizens, it should be zero. So saying, well, they commit violent crime at lower rates than general populations. I don't care about that argument because the argument should be there should be a zero percent crime rate from illegal immigrants because we shouldn't allow them to come here and commit crimes at all. And building on that, Buck, and this is important. The sanctuary cities actually encourage, in some ways, the commission of crimes because they won't even hold criminals to allow immigration to arrive. They put them back on the streets before ICE could even do anything about it, which to me is a direct attack upon American law. How in the world can you put people back out on the streets before we even allow customs and immigration to know that they committed a crime in the first place that seems like straightforward a direct attack upon the american criminal justice system and and all these people who are always lobbying in favor of of illegals all across the country they should be forced to answer the question and this goes for most if not you know really almost all elected democrats some of them will pretend to care about this in public but behind closed doors they'll go along with whatever amnesty bill and whatever sham border security bill they want to put forward if it, if there's no reason to enforce the law against illegals who are who are in the country or who are coming into the country why not just have an open border this is the part of it that they never have an answer for they say oh no we're not open borders did you see recently i think it was the associated press did some analysis maybe it was reuters whatever same communist claptrap um they did some analysis though and it was 
People say the border's open. That's not true. Yeah. It's the most militarized it's ever been. What does that even mean? It just means that there are more people processing the illegals who are being let into the country than ever before. More militarized? They're not opening fire on anybody. They're literally handing out sandwiches and bottles of water and saying, here's your notice to appear, see you in six years, and maybe putting them on a bus or a plane and sending them to a U.S. city that they want to go to. That's what the militarized border is, right? They're just lying to people. Yes. It's absurd. And but I, I keep coming back to this. They always say, "Oh, but we're you know, come on, stop!" Like the, the the immigrants that are here illegally, we should let them stay. They'll do the jobs Americans want to. All this stuff. Well, then why aren't they open borders? If there's no downside to as many illegals coming here as they want as, as want to come here, there's no reason why Democrats should agree with us that the border should be closed down and we should have fewer people coming in. They won't admit that there is a downside, but they pretend that they want the same policy. It's because they're lying. I, I agree with all that. And we should take some calls, by the way, because I think that press conference with the Athens mayor, it's already going mega viral. But I think it is indicative of what you're going to hear going forward, because there's going to be, sadly, a Lake and Riley story every couple of weeks as long as you can imagine into the future because i mean sadly she's not an aberration she's not an outlier there are a lot of people being here's another one illegal, illegal, illegal el salvadoran migrant accused of killing two-year-old maryland boy after being released twice from jail following repeated theft charges and an order to leave the country that's just from the daily mail and that is from the last 24 hours that's another story yes so you got an illegal it's migrant everywhere. who was committing crimes, just allegedly murdered a two-year-old, and they should have deported him, and they didn't. How, do, how does Joe Biden and the Democrats in Congress, how do they explain that to that, that little boy's family? How do they explain that one? Well, they don't, right? Because they don't want to, because they, they don't want any accountability for any of this. We'll take your calls on this, 800-282-2882. You know, Liberty Safe has always protected your guns and valuables from fire and theft, but they also protect your privacy with an industry-leading set of privacy protections. In recent months, they've further increased those protections. Electronic safe locks from most manufacturers have a code to allow access if you're locked out. But Liberty Safe makes it easy to change or disable that code anytime. Your safe is your business, and Liberty Safe will help you keep it that way. Shop online at libertysafe.com slash radio for a customized, fortress-strong Liberty Safe with one-of-a-kind locking bars and best-in-class fire protection. I've got my own Liberty Safe at home. It's not some clunky eyesore either. They come in different colors and sizes. You can get one that fits in your space, serves all your needs, and looks great. That's what I have. Liberty Safes are also made in America by Americans. Use the promo code RADIO for an extra 10% discount. You'll get a free $60 value locking pistol vault as well with your Liberty Safe purchase, but that's only for this audience. The website to go to, libertysafe.com slash radio. Use promo code RADIO for an extra 10% discount. We are joined now by Tudor Dixon of the Tudor Dixon podcast, which is killing it. Uh, Tudor, let's dive right in. Michigan primary was yesterday. Buck and I have talked about it a great deal what stood out to you as someone who knows the politics, knows the nuance of Michigan, of the data from the Republican and the Democrat primaries? What's the story? What should we be thinking basically eight months from Election Day? 
Well, on the Republican side, some key counties went big for Trump, and that was something that we didn't see in 2022. Macomb County came out big for Trump. We saw Oakland County coming out. They're split with Democrats and Republicans, but still big for Trump. It looks like a lot of those voters who didn't come out in 2022 are back. They're engaged. We had good numbers for a primary. But on the Democrat side, I think the most interesting thing that we saw was, of course, the uncommitted voters. We know that the uncommitted campaign was being put on by Rashida Tlaib and her sister. They were very actively telling people not to vote for Joe Biden. What I don't think that Gretchen Whitmer and Joe Biden anticipated was the impact that would have on college campuses. So that to me is very interesting. They've created this narrative on college campuses. And now how are they going to pull that back if they don't have something else to hook those young people in with? They may have a problem on college campuses in Michigan come November. Hey, Tudor Buck here. Thanks for being with us. Uh, can you give us uh, something of a battlefield overview for how it looks going into uh, the 2024 election in Michigan when you are looking at things like uh, party party registration, early vote, turnout mechanisms. I mean, just give us a sense of how the teams stack up right now, GOP versus Democrat in Michigan at this point in time. Well, obviously, I mean, if you're listening, if you're paying attention at all to what's happening in Michigan, we have had some problems in our party here in the state of Michigan. Just yesterday, a judge actually ruled on that because we had a party chair who was overthrown by delegates, some delegates um, in January, and then the other delegates that were supporting that party chair said, no, she wasn't overthrown. This was an illegal meeting. Then the new, the, the other side actually voted in a new chair. And so for for a while, we actually had two chairs and it was very confusing because there is a caucus this weekend. So for people who also don't understand in Michigan, we normally have a primary, but this year we're having a primary and a caucus because the Democrats moved the primary up. The RNC agreed that we could have a primary, give out some delegates primary day. A caucus will have the rest of the delegates will be awarded to the presidential candidate. However, we were having one in in Detroit, and now the new chair is having one in Grand Rapids. So there was a concern, oh gosh, we're going to have half the delegates in Detroit, half of them in Grand Rapids. Yesterday, a judge ruled on that and said, no, the new chair stays. Old chair has to give up control, has to give all of the social media back. So that is obviously still a, a division in the state, still those those delegates that were supporting the old chair are unhappy. We need to bring our party back together. Democrats think they have an advantage there. They don't have that issue. They have an organized party. They have a good ground game. They have a lot of grassroots activists. They have good control on college campuses. They are definitely, at this point, organized well. Republicans will get there, though. Okay, so if you were predicting right now, um, do you think that if the election had been last yesterday that Donald Trump would beat Joe Biden in Michigan. Yes, absolutely. And I, I think there are people out there right now who are saying, no, he this this Arab American vote in Michigan is not that important, but it absolutely is. In years past, they've been the ones that are like, this is what pushed us over and this is why we won. And there is truly a divide there. It's not to be taken lightly. It's not to be celebrated or or not taken seriously, it is a true divide in the Democrat Party. But like I said, that goes beyond 
just the Arab Americans in the state of Michigan. You now have this situation on university campuses. So Michigan State, University of Michigan, they don't know how to bring those voters back and they don't know how to control Rashida Tlaib because having Rashida Tlaib, who is a well-respected voice in the state of Michigan, in fact, there was a time when Gretchen Whitmer was out there campaigning with her and saying what an amazing person Rashida Tlaib is. Now she's got her speaking against her. This is a real problem for them because people will follow Rashida. I don't suspect that Rashida is going to suddenly be like, you know what, we're going to give this whole ceasefire thing up for the general. I think she's going to stick with it. I don't think Joe Biden can actually give in to the, the mob here and say he's going to throw away an ally in the Middle East, our only ally in the Middle East. He's not going to Hopefully, I wouldn't think that he would make the mistake of going against the policy with Israel right now. So it's a very sticky wicket for Democrats. And I think that is where Donald Trump has an advantage, but also with auto workers, because they've seen their jobs leaving. They hear Donald Trump coming in and saying, I'm going to bring your jobs back. They know it happened in 2016. If you talk to people, they'll tell you, we moved out of the state. When Donald Trump was elected, we moved back in our, and we thrived in the auto industry, but we're afraid because right now all of these policies that Joe Biden has and Gretchen Whitmer has are anti-automotive. They're, they're pro EV. That's not the future for automotive. You see that Ford has already come out and said, eh, this is not really great for us. We've seen people across the state of Michigan, their cars are dying in the winter. This is not a good look. Even Sean Fain came out and said, he's the president of the UAW. We're going to take our members money and endorse Joe Biden but we're going to actually see our members go out and vote for someone else. Well, who else are they going to vote for? They're going to vote for Donald Trump. So absolutely, I believe if the general election was run yesterday in the state of Michigan, Donald Trump would have prevailed. There would have been no Nikki Haley in the race. Those votes would have gone to him, and Joe Biden would have had a poor showing. Tudor, you mentioned Oakland County, and I want to just ask you, because you know the state well, um, my wife, born and raised basically in Oakland County, we got married in Birmingham. Uh, it's north of Detroit, which is Wayne County. Is Oakland County, in your mind, the number one bellwether county if you had to pick one to look at and try to assess how Trump Biden is looking going forward? In other words, if you we know as you move further north in Michigan, it gets redder. But Oakland County, highly educated, suburban county, a lot of white population, a lot of Jewish, uh, some diversity also, Arab voters. Is that the number one county you would look to to determine how this election is going to go? Well, you're going to watch two, actually. You're going to watch Oakland, which is a, a suburb of Detroit area, kind of. And you're going to watch Kent, which is Grand Rapids. So say, similar situation. You've got to watch both sides of the state. If you look at Oakland County, it's a very interesting situation that we're seeing in Oakland County right now. And that's going to be hard for Democrats because they came in and took over Oakland County with the marijuana vote. And then they came over and they took over Oakland County with the abortion vote. But those two things are now enshrined in law. So now they don't have those. They're trying to pull back abortion and say, oh, no, actually, it could still be an issue. They're not going to be able to win on that. It is fully protected in the state of Michigan. And we all know that Republicans are going to have to come out and say, hey, look, this is not going to be there's not going to be something federal happen because there's not going to be 60 senators that are going to say, hey, yeah, we're going to put a ban in place on abortion. Abortion is safe in the state of Michigan. 
Now Democrats have a problem with both Oakland and Kent because they could lose women. Women are the ones that are out there packing the lunches every day. Women are the ones driving kids to school and going off to work. They're getting gas. They're getting more gas than their husbands oftentimes because they're then also transporting them back and forth from sports. They're also buying the groceries and they're seeing a massive increase. I had a woman just before Christmas say to me, who was not a Republican, by the way, say to me, I can tell it's almost election time. And she was sheepish about it. I said, what do you mean? And she said, I can't afford the Christmas gifts I could afford last year. And I think it's time for a new president. That is a shocking admission from a woman in Michigan who is not a Republican. That's going to change the game on the ground here. Tudor, if you were to advise Donald Trump on how to win back or win as many female voters as possible in Michigan, which I'm sure would be applicable for some of the other battleground states too. Uh, what what would you tell them? You have to tell these women that their communities are going to be safe. We have seen too much violence in Michigan communities, too many soft on crime uh, prosecutors. We have a situation in our capital city that is out of control, and that is that can be directly linked to the shooting that we saw on Michigan State's campus. Your kids, when they go to school, they're going to be safe. Your kids, when they go to college, they're going to be safe. Your kids, when they're walking through the neighborhood, they're going to be safe. And we're not going to let a bunch of illegal immigrants come in and bring fentanyl into this state anymore or come into this state and harm people. That's the message that mothers want to hear. They want to hear that they matter, that their families are going to be safe. And there is no other, the Democrats have no opportunity whatsoever to tell women they're going to keep people safe. I mean, it's a basic of government. That is a basic function. When we think about how government should work, we're like, you know what? Police should keep us safe. Prosecutors should keep us safe. That is not basic to the Dem- to the Democrats. Why are Republicans not out there telling people we just want to keep you safe? That's what we think government is. It's a fantastic question, Tudor. What do you have coming up for people who haven't sampled the podcast yet? What are they missing? What will they hear? Well, you should check out today. We have a great guy on. I've been talking a lot about the concerns I have about the amount of people that are on pharmaceutical medications in this country, the amount of young people. And this Dr. Peter Bregan came on. He actually was a, a instrumental in the Columbine case in the, the woman. I, I know you all remember the case of the young woman who texted her boyfriend until he committed suicide. Some great insight into that story and what is happening to our kids that are put on all of these antidepressants and anti-anxiety drugs. We just had a study come out that said that after 2020, we saw an immense increase in 12 to 18 year old young women who were put on antidepressants and anti-anxiety drugs. And you'll hear Dr. Bregan talking about, well, that seems to coincide with an increase in suicides. What does that mean? You'll have to listen to find out, but some pretty interesting information about the pharmaceutical companies and what's going on there. You've got to tune in and listen. Tudor has four daughters. She's got her hands full. And I guarantee you, if you are a mom out there and you are listening to us, you will love her podcast. Tudor, thank you so much. Yeah, thank you. I appreciate it. Tudor Dixon, part of the Clay Travis Buck Sexton Podcast Network. Go check her out. Go subscribe today. A lot of different junk supplements out there on the market, which is why we're telling you to try chalk. We were talking about this off air. The Chad mode that they have for chalk will give you an unbelievable boost of energy right as you roll into the gym 
Maybe you're just waking up and you don't have the same vim, vigor, vitality you've had in the past. Maybe it's in the afternoon and you got a family and you're trying to find the energy to get the kids around to all the different events they have to go to and also get a workout in yourself so that the dad bod doesn't completely take over. Heck, maybe you're looking around and you're trying to figure out why in the world have testosterone levels collapsed so much in this country over the last 20 or 30 or 40 years, get hooked up right now with Chalk. All natural supplements will replenish your testosterone up to 20% after three months' times. will also give you more energy to be able to take uh, account of your day and accomplish more than you otherwise would. Right now, they've got an incredible offer for February, about to come to the end of the month, where you can get a massive discount for the life of your subscription. Check it out. What do you have to lose? CHOQ.com is the website. Use my name, Clay, as the promo code. That's CHOQ.com. My name, Clay. Get hooked up today with chalk. Hey, I'm Jay Shetty, and I'm the host of the On Purpose podcast. On Purpose is dedicated to helping you be happier, healthier, and more healed. This week, I talked to Orlando Bloom in a rare interview where we went deep into how he got comfortable with fear, navigating the changes in relationships, and how to change the guilt and shame thought pattern. This conversation shows a never-seen-before side to Orlando Bloom and his unique life journey. I think we all struggle sometimes to really deeply believe that we are enough that we're valued, that we're valuable. You know, we're imprinted by our parents from the age of zero to seven, right? Mm. I'm constantly trying to go like, how do I detach from my, this idea of what, is that that my baggage? I look like my baggage. I mean, I know, okay, that's mine. Let's unpack that. Listen to On Purpose with Jay Shetty on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hi, I'm Michael Rappaport. And I'm Kibi Rappaport. And together we're hosting Rappaport's Rappaport's Reality Podcast. We have a passion for reality TV, and we're inviting you into our living room. We're talking tea, we're dissecting the drama, and we're giving praise to the single greatest form of entertainment on television today. That is right. Reality TV is the greatest form of entertainment on television today. Here are some examples of what you'll hear from us on Rappaport's Reality Podcast. This is where we discuss all things reality TV, all things popular culture. And a little bit of Rappaport's reality, the reality of bit. us. We're a figuring out. And if we had been recording these last four or five days, Ooh. it, it would have been, been podcast juicy. would have taken a, a, a left turn. Listen to Rappaport's reality with me, Kibi Rappaport. And me, Michael Rappaport, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcast. More Than a Movie is back with season two of the award-winning film podcast, and this time with a lot more movies. I'm your host, Alex Fumero, and each week I'm going to talk to the people behind some of my favorite movies. From The Godfather, Andy Garcia. He has the smarts of Vito, the temper of Sonny, the warmth of Fredo, and the coldness of Michael. To the OG spy kid, Alexa Penavega. You had Carlo Gugino, who's the coolest mom ever. You had Antonio, who's handsome, amazing, charismatic. And then Carmen and Juni. I felt like a lot of other kids felt like this could be me. To the legend behind La Bamba, Lou Diamond Phillips. When I walked in, I didn't think I had a shot at Richie. Because John Stamos's picture was already up on the wall. 
Every episode will feature interviews with the biggest actors, directors, writers, and producers behind your favorite films and tap into the history of Latinos in film. Listen to More Than a Movie as part of the My Cultura Podcast Network, available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. This just breaking now, Donald Trump is offering the court in New York a $100 million bond as uh, a an offering, if you will, to pause a $454 million judgment. Let's get into this for a second. What what's going on? As you recall, there are uh there is the judgment from the E. Jean Carroll defamation case in the eighty million range, and then there's the uh Trump Corporation asset inflation case, which is three hundred forty million or fifty million something like that, right? I yeah. mean this is in the three hundreds of millions of dollars. I think it was three forty. Um and so there's this a total outstanding $454 million judgment. Donald Trump offered the New York Court of Appeals today. This, again, has just broken in the last few minutes. $100 million. Now, uh, Clay and I were talking about this in our uh, commercial break there for a moment. Uh, we both agree two things, and but there's more. And, Clay, you can take us through the what's next and what do you think happens. But this tells us two things. One... Trump does not have the four hundred and fifty million on hand. Obviously, that's why he's making an offer of a. You don't offer the court a hundred million unless you're saying, "Look, this is all I got." Right? So he liquid. That doesn't mean he's not worth billion. It just means, as we've discussed, he doesn't have eight hundred million dollars sitting in a Chase account or a Bank of America account. Yeah, billionaires don't do that, really, or at least not that I'm aware of. I'm not one, so I'd have to ask some. But um, and then so he doesn't have more than this on hand. And then the other thing is. And this is a judgment, but we both agree court's not going to accept this. So now what happens? Okay. So what I believe is likely happening here, and this is, and I don't have, this is not somebody filling me in on Donald Trump's financial situation, but this squares with what I've been telling you guys and what Buck and I have been discussing for some time. Even billionaires don't have $400 million sitting around in cash. That's not the way billionaires roll up. especially not billionaires with large real estate portfolios. Usually what happens is a billionaire will have a line of credit to live on and they don't have hundreds of millions of dollars sitting in the bank accounts. The Scrooge McDuck idea where you have just a big vault of gold coins would not be an efficient way to grow your wealth. What I think is happening here, Buck, is Trump might well have $100 million in cash that he can cobble together. That would not be a crazy amount for someone who's worth $3 or $4 billion, maybe more. Who knows exactly what they're worth? Uh, in your own mind, take it outside of billions. Let's say you're worth $100,000. How many of you out there that are worth $100,000 might have three or $4,000 in your checking account at any given time? That's kind of... The, the the same scenario that I would put into play here. Truth Social, though, Buck, this is where I think this timing is coming in. Truth Social is set to officially go public, I believe, at the end of March. And staff, you guys can look this up and confirm that I'm right about this within the next month or so. Donald Trump's stake 
in Truth Social based on the valuation of the SPAC that is connected to it is around $4 billion. That is billion with a B. It is actually very common for super wealthy people with substantial stakes in companies to borrow money based on the valuation of that stake. I think Trump offering $100 million is designed to buy time until Truth Social goes public and Trump with $4 billion in assets there can go to a bank and say, hey, the stock price is X, I have Y number of shares, will you give me a line of credit of a billion dollars or $600 million or whatever dollar figure he wants, which he could then use to put a bond down on these cases. But make no mistake about it. This is designed to financially cripple Donald Trump. What they are trying to do to him is put him in prison for the rest of his life and bankrupt him. And this is the game plan. He's not wrong when he lays all this out, regardless of what your politics are, regardless if you're a diehard Nikki Haley person right now. They are going after Donald Trump with every financial lever they have and every criminal lever they have because of his politics. And the one thing I bet if Trump could go back in time, I bet he wishes that he had moved his assets out of New York. And if you're out there right now and you're saying, I'm not a billionaire, but you're trying to build wealth for your family, this is why I say, get out of blue cities, get out of blue states. The combination is toxic. I think I will Trump not have assets. I'm keeping my assets in yeah. Tennessee. You're keeping yours in Florida. Uh, the the reality here is that Trump is uh, going to lose this request for the hundred million uh, to be enough, and then even if this one judge were to say it's enough, then the full um, uh, the full court of appeals panel of judges would have to hear it and agree, and that will not happen, right? So even if he won this round, he would lose the second round. These are all Democrat judges appointed by Democrats. I mean, this is like. Just think of it like Jack Smith in judges' robes. That's what he's going up against in New York. And so I do think there's a very real possibility here that you're going to see the beginnings of what Letitia James has been threatening all along, uh, which is the beginning of uh, asset forfeiture or asset seizure, where she's going to start saying, all right, we're going to start filing the paperwork. Uh, you know, Trump Tower is now going to be owned by the state of New York. This is probably coming soon. This is probably where this is going. And understand, even if Trump were able to get someone, let's just say a, a billionaire came along. Let's just say Clay decided to write the full check for the $453 million. <laughs> you know, his his picks lately have been so good in the sports world that he's been holding out on us, and he can just write a $453 million check to bail Trump out. That's just putting it up as collateral to go in front of an appeals court in New York and have them rule, and they're going to rule against him. So one way or another, he's out $453 million, or someone's going to be, or they're going to start seizing his building as uh, buildings and a combination thereof. And, I mean, what they're doing to him, I, I, I don't know, it's, this is so third-world dictator nonsense from the Biden uh, and Democrat perspective. I know this is state, not you know federal, but it's all, it's all tied in together. There have been meetings with the White House. The Democrat Party is pushing for all this stuff. Um, I mean, it's it's crazy what they're doing to him. 
while the criminal stuff is working in the background, too. And again, I think this is about buying time based on the value of Truth Social. Trump would have, based on the price today, and by the way, let me click and see what the current price of the stock, and this gets into a little bit of a complicated thing, but they are trying to um, effectively create a new public company, a company called Digital World Acquisition Corp., which you can buy stock in right now, and as I'm looking, is trading at $44.85 a share. They are merging that with Truth Social, which is Trump's company. And Trump's stake in that new company, which is supposed to be merged and become a public viable entity, which you or me or anybody else could buy stock in, is supposed to happen at the end of March. And most rich people, and this is, for instance, how Elon Musk bought Twitter to a certain extent, you are allowed to borrow money based on your stock valuation holdings without having to actually sell that stock because you don't want to pay uh, taxes on it. So let's say you were a billionaire. A lot of times billionaires are tied up in the individual stock class of a company, which is how they got their money. But if you sold that stock, you'd have to pay capital gains tax. You would owe a substantial amount of tax liability. And so Goldman Sachs, Morgan Stanley, some big investment bank will give you a line of credit based on the valuation of your stock. I think that's how he's going to pay this uh pay this uh, appeal buck is again his stake in this truth social is potentially worth right now on the open stock market around four billion dollars and so he could take a tenth of that valuation get a loan and pay it off and that's less suspect than real estate because stock valuations are predicated every single day. Does that make sense? Is that super complicated? Yeah. I or? mean, I, I love your optimism that this is all going to go and he'll have the money and he'll be able to. I mean, maybe, maybe. If it, it the true social thing happens, it's supposed to go public at the end of March, then he would have a big valuation. And this is how I right. do think it's but important. He, he, this he'd is have how insider most, shares. He'd probably have a lockup. He'd probably have to get someone to buy those shares. What are those shares worth in the it market? Would be a, if it a would be a loan. It would be a loan. Just right. based on the value of the open market. Play, who's going to give him that loan? It's like the surety bond. Who wants to get in the I think the that's complicated on here. real estate, but at least there is a tangible valuation of a stock. So you can look at it every day and know exactly what his stake is worth. Unlike, let's say, Trump Tower, which is constantly fluctuating in value, depending on who the buyer is, what the interest rates are, all these different complicating factors. A stock price in theory you can plug it in and know the exact valuation of a stake every minute of every day which it makes it a little bit more reliable now to your point this is what i said on the real estate do you want to get involved with trump that's the challenge he's got because then they're going to go through your books and try to bring you into the mix and we're getting we're getting uh there's a few steps here we're getting way down deep into the nitty-gritty of true social and the spac or whatever it is they're planning on doing to go public um, you would have shares in a lockup. What are shares in a lockup for a year worth? And who wants to give value against those shares? You can, you know, are, are they, is that, is Truth Social going to be worth in a year? Uh, I don't know. It depends. Does Donald Trump win the well, election? That's where play? You, and that's where you could get hit with a margin call, right? Yeah. This is where things, you know, you're talking about a lot of uncertainty with billions of dollars at stake. I mean, like I said, Clay, just. Just save the man, you know, just step in, just do it, you know, you've been, your, your gambling picks have been excellent. Just make it happen. All right. Here we go. Um, we'll take some of your calls. 800-282-2882. 
The work going on at the Preborn Network of Clinics is amazing. It's difficult, and it can be heartbreaking on some days, but it can be very joyous on others. Their clinics are located where abortion rates are highest. Preborn's mission is to save the lives of unborn babies, and they do that by welcoming pregnant mothers and providing them with support and an ultrasound experience. When a mother hears her baby's heartbeat on an ultrasound, most of the time it's a game changer, and she will choose life. That profound moment is also supported by a loving and compassionate team at the Preborn Network of Clinics. Every day, Preborn not only rescues 200 babies, they rescue the moms who are struggling with this decision. It can be two lives saved in the process. Preborn has been on this tireless mission for 18 years, and the stakes have never been higher. They accomplish all this without a dime of federal or government funding. They rely entirely on donations from individuals like you who believe in life instead of abortion. To donate securely, use your cell phone and dial pound 250. Say the keyword baby. That's pound 250. Say baby or go to preborn.com slash buck. That's preborn.com slash B-U-C-K. Sponsored by Preborn. More Than a Movie is back with Season 2. I'm your host, Alex Fumero. And each week, I'm going to talk to the people behind your favorite movies. From The Godfather, Andy Garcia. He has the smarts of Vito, the temper of Sonny, the warmth of Fredo, and the coldness of Michael. To the legend behind La Bamba, Lou Diamond Phillips. When I walked in, I didn't think I had a shot at Richie because John Stamos's picture was already up on the wall. Listen to More Than a Movie on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, I'm Jay Shetty, and I'm the host of the On Purpose podcast. This week, I talked to Orlando Bloom in a rare interview where we went deep into how to get comfortable with fear and how to change the guilt and shame thought pattern. People say, what are you afraid of, right? I'm afraid of fear because it's like, I want to confront anything in my life that feels challenging on those levels. Listen to On Purpose with Jay Shetty on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hi, I'm Michael Rappaport. And I'm Kibi Rappaport. And together we're hosting Rappaport's Rappaport's Reality Podcast. Podcast. We have a passion for reality TV, and we're inviting you into our living room. We're dissecting the drama, and we're giving praise to the single greatest form of entertainment on television today. That is right. Reality TV is the greatest form of entertainment on television today. Listen to Rappaport's reality with me, Kibi Rappaport. And me, Michael Rappaport, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcasts.